Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 34 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Daddy Joystick. And I'm joined here by my whimsical co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current retail trader, a man with skeletons in his closet right next to his designer clothing, <laughs> a man who knows more about outer Mongolia than a Westerner should. I'm talking about the proper villain, JJ. JJ, how's it going? Good, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing real well. Things are starting to open up a little bit slowly down here in Florida. So looking forward to getting back to uh, normal life, hopefully. Oh, that'd be nice. And our guest today is a trader of 12 years hailing from Eastern Canada. He's an auto trader focused on algorithmic trading who works very closely with and consults for trade ideas. You can catch him on his YouTube channel teaching traders to think in a more statistical fashion. He's known as Bonpara on the interwebs. I'm talking about Michael Nas. Michael, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how do you uh, come up with all those different AKAs each? How, how long does that take, roughly? Is that an oh. hour of your time? Or? Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> it depends. I, I, guess, I guess sometimes it's longer than others. Sometimes uh, just names I pull from the past, uh, different characters I've encountered. But uh, you're the first one to actually ask me that. That's funny. It's, it's directly proportional to his caffeine intake. <laughs> that that, that is true. That is very true. Even I, I can't find the, the, the little espresso pods I have for my machine. <laughs> oh. So if they start tapering off a little bit, you guys know why. But, but anyway, Michael, uh, thanks again for joining us. Um, oh, no, pleasure to be here. Yeah, man, I saw it was uh, your birthday yesterday. Wanted to start off wishing you a happy born day. What does one yeah. do on his birthday? In quarantine, uh, drink copiously. That's, yeah. uh, <laughs> Good word. Go, go in the backyard on the hammock and and ask not to be bothered for a few hours with a with a twelve pack. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that's that's about as Canadian as it gets. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so my yeah, Michael. How um, you know, I guess all of us we all work from home anyway. But uh, how how has this whole time period been for you? you know it, it's it's rough it's rough for everyone and it's rough to hear about you know all the all the problems and all that but mm-hmm. to be honest i've been working from home for 5 6 years now mm-hmm. and you know my my fiance jess i'm teaching her to trade while we're at home and she's doing all my video editing and stuff now so really for me it's it's the same but you know it's like i i got an employee so it's great yeah awesome Awesome, man. So you, so yeah, you've been trading for 12 years, Michael. I mean, it's your whole adult life. Uh, tell us how you got into this game and uh, maybe just speak on the evolution uh, as a trader. Yeah, sure. So I, I started, I went to university. I was, I was interested in numbers. I liked stats. I like all this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad told me, don't be a mathematician because no one will pay you for it. And uh, I wasn't allowed to be an accountant because he was, and he wanted to sell his business. He didn't want to give it to me. So it was pretty much finance or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and like everyone going in there, I thought the way, you know, I'd be a financial advisor. I'd do 40% stocks, 30% bonds, that type of thing. And one day I went down to the job fair and there was a booth there with a couple guys who just looked like super big nerds that were opening a prop shop in 
in Halifax there. Really? Yeah. So I went up to them. They said, listen, we'll, we'll fund you. We'll give you 40% of whatever you make. We'll, we'll eat whatever you lose. We'll set you up with a little desk and little training course and all this and away you go. And this was before HFTs and before, you know, really when there were still guys with silly coats on the ground that were making, making books and everything. So I spent about two, three years there uh, just scalping the markets. And I actually, that's when I started using trade ideas. That's why uh, our relationship started way back then. I, mm-hmm. I bought a subscription. They used to scan for big bids and big offers back when that stuff made sense, you know, mm-hmm. before iceberg orders and all this. Uh, worked for them for a while. The, then the market got super computerized. A lot of these prop firms got kind of shut out of the market by them. Uh, went to work in the hedge fund industry. So I spent about 10 years there uh, working with different hedge funds, basically advising their clients on on where the risks lie and uh, what to look out for, things like this. And all the time I'm, I'm trading, like most people that are probably listening to this, you got a job somewhere and you got a, you know, a, a screen going on with all your trading platform. And so I'm trading the whole time this was going on. And then we got that company bought out. So I, I took a little bit of time from that, started trading for myself and I got involved with trade ideas shortly after that. And from then I've just been working with them, doing some crypto stuff, uh, trading for a living, you know, just a, a bit of everything, keep things interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. I, um, I read your interview you did with Beyond the Trades and when you met with the firm, they asked you if you played video games, correct? Yeah, the the day trading firm. That was their question. It it was not uh, what were you enrolled in. They didn't care about my finance degree. They asked some mm-hmm. basic math questions, and they said, "What do you do? You play games?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm big into StarCraft back then, which is you know, like this real time strategy type poker kind of game." Right. Um, and they said, "That's great. You're in." <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's um. It's funny. I mean, because I guess it's, a, I would say it's a theory of mine, but I guess it's not so much a theory because people do look out for it. Why do, why do you think a gaming background suits well for um, trading? I think it's thinking on your feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part of it back then, because there was no HFT systems and automated bots and everything, there was an advantage to being fast as a human. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay. just yeah, makes basic, sense. basic keyboard mouse input, you know, hotkeys, things mm-hmm. like this really made the difference. So if they could bring someone in who could just hit a couple buttons and be in a trade faster than everyone else, it helped them out for sure. Mm-hmm. When you, when you first started off, I mean, have you always been like a real data driven statistical trader? Yeah. Even before I knew what back testing was, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would go back, I'd develop theories, I'd just scroll back in charts and just mark where I would have made or lost. And, and you know, it was very rudimentary and, and grunt work back then, but it was the same kind of thing. I wanted to know, uh, I learned very quickly that this industry is full of a lot of uh, BS. So mm-hmm. I wanted to, every time someone told me to do something, I wanted to be able to test it uh, as much as I could. Okay, sure. See, you know, you know, the great, the great thing about trade ideas, Michael, like, you know, for someone like myself, who's not a coder, who doesn't, you know, put models together, it's great because it's, this is already built in, you know, for the listeners, you know, that's what trade ideas is. They have these capabilities. You set up parameters uh, for the type of strategy you want. 
with the the role that you play with them, Michael, are you are you a coder yourself? Like, what's what's your advisement role, or you know, what you do with them? No, I, I couldn't. I can't code. Uh, mm-hmm. Last thing I built was a really bad like GeoCities HTML website, so I can't code anything, which um, is great. And it's to your point, saying that you know everything is it, it's all user interface based. Right. Um, they build me kind of the tools that I request. Uh, some of them that you guys can play with, and some are, are backend type tools. And then from there, it's using. Uh, trading theory you know i i travel around with them i get to go to all these cool conferences and meet all these like big name traders and sit them down and fill them full of beer and say okay what do you guys do and (laughs) and when i when i can learn what it is they do i i get to go and think of how maybe this could be turned into an algorithm that then the 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 client will see on, on the front end which is you know again from the client point of view all you need to do is open up the ai and take a look but there's right. for every one of those strategies there's you know a thousand man hours mm-hmm. that is, have gone into thinking about it and creating it and, and tweaking it and doing all this right right which which there I mean, at least for myself mike i mean and i'm sure you would agree that 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 lies in the fun i think is trying to figure out trying to come up with profitable strategies um in doing that. And I'm sure you probably spend, I mean, we probably would should spend more time doing that than actually trading um, in itself. Uh, for people who are just starting out, like to say like, this is the route they want to go. It can be very overwhelming at first, right? Cause there's so many um, parameters inputs you could put in. What do you think is a good starting point or what's a good like approach someone should when they start? Well, you know, to your point of creating, creating theories, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think that there's too much, too often traders think that they, their entire job is to trade. And, you know, I did a video a while back on my channel. No one watched it because it didn't have any flashy titles about how much money I made or anything (laughs) like that. But uh, it was called treat trading like a sport. And, And essentially the theory that I tried to convey there was, you know, if you're a boxer, you're not spending 90% of your time boxing, right? You, right, absolutely, yeah. You break yourself. You should spend, you know, 5% of your time boxing. The rest is doing drills. It's in the gym. It's watching tape. It's, mm-hmm. it's know, prep, it's, yeah. And it's all this other stuff. And I think with if you're a new trader, it should be the same way. Don't If you're not making money in a sim, uh, don't even touch a dollar in real life. You know, go back. And, and watch tape. There's plenty of people trading there on YouTube uh, other than myself that you can go and, and watch. You should be, you know, using a back tester to back test your theory to see if, if what you're trying to do makes any sense. You should be doing all of these fundamental works like journaling. And, and the problem is none of this is fun. Like none <laughs> of it's the, you know, it's fun to hit, hit a button and then hit another button a little bit later and make a thousand bucks. That's fun. But it's all of the hours of, you know, you came up with a theory, you use a scientific method to test it, you you drilled it down into something that you could understand, Mm -hmm. you know, you journaled about it, you figured out what, uh, what time it works and what time it doesn't work. These kind of things are what make a good trader. And then just like a boxer, you only see when they go into the ring and box, you don't see everything that kind of led up to that. So that's, that's always my first tip for new traders. Understand that the work of trading is not trading. The work of trading is prepping to mm. trade. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And, and so 
You know, I, I think why a lot of people get turned off, Michael, from these things and, and you know, backtracking to what I was saying, like, you know, when I first started, it's like, you know, when I'm back testing a strategy, right? You know, like you, you when you pull up strategy ideas, you configure the strategy, you can put in the the parameters you want. What do you like because there's so much to choose from I guess it can be overwhelming for people. They don't know where to start. Do you have any general guidelines of like, hey, like narrow, start with something simple first, then expand on it? I hopefully I'm I'm being clear with what I'm asking. Yeah, I got you now. It's yeah. um you should start with basic trading principles. You know, the, the basic yeah. ones being that if you're new, trade with the trend. You know, everyone wants to be the guy that picks the top and bottom. Mm-hmm. You can't. So I would open it up and I would find a very basic trend following system. You know, we've, there's been so much studies done of, of the, the market in the long term. And we know the probabilities of a good trend following system are like 45 to 55%. Uh, the real power of them is in the risk reward profile. So, you know, start with something that says, listen, I want the stock to be uh, up on the month, up on the week up on the day and then I wanted to do something to initiate a trade and start there start with just riding that wave and seeing if you can just capture a little bit uh, of that and you're right you got to keep it simple a lot of people uh, I see a lot of this when I when I do support with trade ideas and things like that they have like these very specific indicators that they think are really important you know I want to a 13 EMA to cross a 67 EMA with an RSI like this, or, mm-hmm. and I've been around. Wow. That's all, it's all bunk, right? right. It, <laughs> you know, it, is the stock going up and is there, is there a reason that other people are going to come in to buy? So something simple, like, you know, I want the thing to be doing a lot of volume gapping up on the day and making a new high. It, it's a, it, that's not a trading strategy, but that's a, a very simple start to a trading strategy right right and then you you build on it from there right for sure for sure exactly. makes a lot of sense what are some common mistakes people can make from interpreting the results of a back-tested strategy oh god how long is this podcast go ahead yeah i could go for hours um yeah well g- yeah g- g- give me some because because i i know because it's like if, if if interpreting data was so easy, you know what I mean? Everyone would just look at things and just boom. But, uh, you know, that's why I question everything. Even when the data they put out on the virus or data on this, you know, it's like, who's, where's this coming from? Who's relaying this? Because it's not like the, you know, it's not like the trade ideas, right? Michael gives us back a summary, like written summary, like, okay, this is why it's doing this. You got to almost interpret it for yourself, correct? Yeah. And almost it's the like, same. Yeah, sorry. Same. Same with all data. What was it? Mark yeah. Twain, uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you can, as we're seeing a lot of in the world today, you can take a statistic and, and meld it and, and change it in kind of any way you want. People, uh, you know, they'll say something like, this virus isn't deadly because X amount more people die of this than this. And it's like, okay, well, that's a point in time study versus a length of time study. Mm-hmm. Um, simple things like this. But when it comes to trading, the first thing that I always tell people is that if a, a math equation could completely beat the market and just and smash it on its own without any kind of human inter- intervention, uh, MIT would have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Yale or Harvard or one of these guys would have done it at Goldman Sachs. But what you have to understand is your edge as a retail trader 
and and I'll get back to that. But um, and market mechanics, you know, uh, this is you know we're we're talking about market maker. It's in the title of this, and and the the, you know, <laughs> the reason that stuff is important is because I see a lot of people they'll send in strategies and they'll say, listen, I built this and in back test it's amazing, and here's my real account and I got killed, and. You know, they're trading stocks that are doing 200 shares a day that have no volume. There's no ability to get filled. There's no. Exactly. And it's like, I would start with, even if you're planning on being an auto trader, start trading manually, even on a SIM first with a basic trading strategy. So you understand things like, uh, you know, when you look back at a back test, you can say, would it have been reasonable that I would have gotten filled here and gotten filled here? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if the strategy says you would have made a million dollars if you never got filled at those prices. That's exactly that's the, right yeah. off the door. Biggest thing is if you, if you don't understand the mechanics of what somebody's giving you statistics for yeah. the statistics won't help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that's like, and the biggest thing I've learned from this guy, like, uh, you know, I tried trading before, then I, it must've been a couple of weeks. I went right back to poker. And then this time around actually understanding the market mechanics. Um, and, and even as I branch out into trading other things, uh, it's, it's hugely beneficial. It is not a, you can't underestimate it. So, so getting back to the question, Michael, so, so what, what are common, common mistakes you say? Cause I, uh, you see, cause I know you work with newer traders, uh, you mentor certain people. What, what do you see? Like they, any common trends? Um, a lot of people want to be revision to the mean. A, a lot of people want to pick tops and bottoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, you can do it. I, I certainly don't recommend it for the new people. Uh, maybe the more experienced players, uh, when it comes to common problems, uh, a lot of people will, yeah, the, the basic statistical theory. So people will come back with back tests that have returned five trades and mm-hmm. four of them are winners and one of them's a loser. And they say, look, I'm 80%. Look at me. Um, you know, basic things like make sure your statistical sample is big enough. You know, if you, I, I did a thing, um, I talked about how I'm, I'm training my fiance to trade, hopefully she'll be better than me real soon. And then I can spend more time on that hammock. But uh, <laughs> we went over a lesson where I, I basically quizzed her and I said, listen, how many times do you have to flip a coin until you think that you get a pretty perfect 50, 50 win rate. And she was like 10. I'm like, no, try like 10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if you know the, the probability of something, if you don't have a large enough statistical base, it's irrelevant. So Absolutely. it, if you flip a coin three times, you will never get a 50, 50 win rate of all the probabilities that are laid before you flipping a coin three times, the right answer is not there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those two things, understand the market mechanics and make sure the breadth of data you're looking at is big enough that it's giving you some sort of uh, a a direction or it's pointing you somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Samples. Yeah. Sample size is huge. I mean, and that's something I, very familiar with because of poker, right? Cause Michael, my whole thing is just like making sure I'm getting in um, cause it's a long run game. Right. So I just got to make sure I get in as many hands as I can possible a week, a month, a year, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. So that brings me to my next question. And, uh, and I planned on talking to you about this cause I guess this is a thing, I, I guess, especially with kind of the, you know, this anomaly we've had with the, with the, uh, the virus um, and how the market behaved. Right. It, 
I wasn't sure how far to backtest. It's like, like, do I backtest through this? Do I just ignore the, that time period? And so I guess a two-part question, I guess, like, how do you treat um, a anomaly event as far as backtesting a strategy? And then two, what's your recommendation on backtesting a strategy and its correlation to number of days backtested? So this actually led to a really cool uh, nerd debate. I call it between me and uh, Dave Mabe, who's... I saw that. I loved it. Yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we went offline. We chatted about that. And he, he brought up that same question. He said, so, so what, do, what do you do with a black, uh, a one-time event, a black swan event, something like this? Yeah. Uh, what we ended up coming to after we chatted for a while is that you backtest for the 99% of scenarios and then sidestep those 1% that hopefully uh, will not happen again. But you can't completely ignore the data that's being given because if your, if your account would have gone to zero in that time, it doesn't matter that it's a quote unquote one time event that we've seen in 2008 and that, you know, uh, 2001 and right all the times back, we've seen crazy moves like this. So you need to listen to the data to see if it would have hurt your portfolio a lot. So, you know, a stress test is a good mm -hmm. way to put it, right? Mm -hmm. Could your portfolio have dealt with uh, that anomalous event? Mm -hmm. That being said, I don't like to include it in a back test of building a strategy because you're back testing data that is nearly irrelevant. Right. Right. You know, you're, you know, you're saying this is, oh yeah, it would have, if you went back uh, a month ago and you back tested any short strategy on earth, it would have made a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. And if you went back this month and, and you back tested pretty much any long strategy on earth, it would have made money. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to include it and say, listen, would have this move really hurt me? Uh, and was there some sort of way that I, the system I was building could have avoided that? Also, I'm not going to use that to construct a trading strategy because actually what ended up happening um, and me and Dave were talking about this kind of internally in trade ideas is, you know, he'd just wake up one morning at, during the thick of this when, we, you know, the market was lock limit down and all this craziness. And he would just, you know, message me. So you turn on the bot today. I'd just be like, hell no, and just turn it back because, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's that level of human intervention to say, I'm going to override the data right now because I know whatever I back tested is not relevant to this current scenario. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And then when it comes to number of days, mm -hmm. number of days is going to be better. The longer back you go uh, within limits, like you'll notice that trade ideas doesn't have a 10 year long back test window. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, part of it's technical. The other part of it is that it actually caused a little bit of trouble with people because they would back test a strategy 10 years out. And then when you're looking back on a 10 year chart and you see that the strategy did well, that's great. But it's a lot different living through a three month drawdown than it is seeing it on a 10 year sure. back test chart. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. So, so, so you always suggest, Michael, the, the, the further back you can back test, you think that's the best strategy? It, it is within reason as long as, uh, and what I do is I usually bring up the spy and compare the spy where I look at, is the area I'm backtesting similar to what's going on? And, and a VIX would be another way to do it is bring up some sort of volatility instrument and say, you know, if you're backtesting in a VIX 5 environment and then trading in a VIX 25 environment, uh, I don't care how far back your 
backtest goes because the, the data is not super relevant. So um, you want to include that data back, but if there is, you know, um, you're going back to a period that's not relevant to the current period that you're trading in, then you've gone too far back. So as far back as you can where the market was quote unquote similar to, right. to how it is now. Right. Right. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So sorry, Jay. I'm just, I'm just nerding out with him here. I don't know. Uh, no, no, that's <laughs> cool. No, you know what? I'm, I'm listening to all this and I, I listened, I was watching his beyond meat video, um, you know, earlier mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. on that trade and um, I'll let you guys finish, but uh, I, I was just going to comment because I don't do any of this stuff. I'm from, you know, the old days of, you know, if you want to hit a bid, you walk over and you hit somebody in the face. So, um, you know, and then, you know, I just started when the floors were closing and then, you know, screen and we did all our stuff on the phones and what I did was completely different than retail trading. So it's really fascinating for me to get, you know, uh, an education in this. And I'm not one of those old guys that, you know, is, you know, has got like the algo, you know, uh, problems with algo. I like to learn. So it, this is fascinating. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. No, that's one thing I, um, uh, I appreciate about you, Jay, is that um, a lot of a lot of people do get rigid and you you are adapting with the times. And even if I disagree with something with you or we, you know, you're like, OK, well, why do you think this boom, boom, boom? So I give you a lot of credit from there. Um, so so back to the topic, My, Michael, um, I'd like for you to talk about it was another discussion I saw on Twitter. Right. Um, and I think I actually I commented on it. I don't know if you were in it or not. It was something Dave posted again. Um, it was about profit factor and win percentage of a given strategy. Mm-hmm. Is there any anything specific you're looking for, maybe a correlation or, and, and so I, I guess I kind of give you um, pretext on, on what the conversation was. A guy was saying some of the best strategies uh, have his like, like low win percentages for him, but the profit factor is really high. And that a lot of times high percentage, uh, win percentage have low profit factors and aren't worth exploring. What, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I don't remember that exact conversation, but from what you just said, I'm, I'm going to wholeheartedly agree is that there has been a, a myriad of statistical studies done across. And I talked about it before across all trend following strategies, kind of regardless, uh, they took all the hedge funds out there and they compared all their trend following strategies and said, okay, uh, what's the average win rate? What's all this? And, and again, they noticed the average win rate was actually less than 50% on average for every trend following, you know, the greats out there, like the Richard Dennis and and guys like these. And, you know, what they found is it's simple. If your revision to the mean, your, your win rate is higher. The amount that you make when you're right is way lower. If you're trend following, you're not as right as often. And, but you can make way more uh, when you're right. And, and I say it all the time, my win rate trading for 12 years, running all these, these statistics is like 55% on like a good month, on a great month. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because everything I do, I get a, a really big, uh, I, I've, I've developed and it took me years to do this, is the ability to have a pretty hardcore systematic uh, trailing stop style system where you know, I can get, you know, we're talking about this beyond me trade. I just brought up the chart. Um, you know, that it was, I think it was like a five or six to one uh, risk reward. And mm-hmm. having that gives me the confidence to not care how often I'm right. 
So right. I would say profit factor trumps everything. Risk reward trumps absolutely everything. However, and I'm going to put a caveat here. If you're the kind of guy that you know that if you lose like five trades in a row, you're going to go crazy, yeah. you should develop a system that takes profits a little bit quicker. And uh, one of my my trading mentors at, at the, the guy runs greatstockpicks.com, he was that kind of guy. And what he figured out that he had to do is if a trade moved in his direction at all, his stop was break even almost immediately because he knew that his trigger was losing even a small amount of money after the trade was green. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's the statistics are important, but make sure that they make sense for how your head works. Right. Right. No, very well said. I mean, yeah, it's, it's combining the, uh, the statistics with, you know, and monitoring your own emotional state because, you know, I, I mean, cause it made me think, cause I think, you know, cause, cause I am still relatively new to this, Michael. So I, I was thinking, you know, I thought real deeply on this topic and I think for myself as I'm getting started, well, well, you know, I'm into it now, but, but as my maturation, I think I want to um, just book winners first, you know what I mean? Let me book yeah. some winners, build some confidence, but I, I do also want to you know, it's like poker, right? Like I strive to play an optimal game, like a perfect game. And it's like, I feel like, like what you're saying here, like that's, this is the way to play it. You know, it's the, don't worry about the, that we want to maximize the upside to it. Um, so I really, I really like that. Um, back to the sample size question, Michael, what would you, what would you say is a sufficient sample when back testing a number of trades? Uh, if you're using trade ideas and you get like that, you know, uh, one quarter uh, of a year back test window, mm-hmm. generally, so how I want to start it, and this is an analogy I use. I'm, I'm a simple-minded creature, so I like a lot of analogies. But I, I, cre- I treat it like if I'm making a sculptor, a sculpture, right? So, you know, a statue of David type of thing. So that initial idea I come with is, is written down and drawn out just like, like anything else. And then that initial crack, I want to see like a thousand plus trades in it. And I want to see that there is... Uh, an edge trading that many now over 64 trading days that's an insane amount of trades you'd, you'd never do that right. but i just want to make sure that that general idea makes sense mm-hmm. and then i want to start cutting away at it and at the end i'm okay with a couple hundred trades but if i don't see that initial uh idea of you know an unrefined back test being uh profitable i've learned long enough of spending hundreds and hundreds of hours of of chasing bad systems is that it's just not worth, it's not worth continuing if, if that initial idea doesn't work. Right. Beautiful. Now that makes a lot of sense. So getting a large sample first and then narrowing it from there, because you, you have, you, uh, you have a bot that trades for you. I think I heard you say, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do a lot of uh, swing trading myself based off of uh, things that I've, I've studied and done statistics out of. Um, I have some automated swing trading strategies as well. And then anything I do intraday now is pretty much a hundred percent automatically traded without really my interaction at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, you know, you know, for me, cause you know, like we're talking about like sample size of things. It's like, I, I, I was not, you know, I haven't been trying to narrow it too much. You know, I've been getting like down to like a, uh, 150 trades, 250 trades. Cause I, I know during the day, it's like, I can't, I don't want to be sift, sifting through so many um, stocks. You know what I'm saying? To, to find a trade 
Um, well, and, and that's a good number. That's a good number to end okay. on, right? It's the yeah, number, right? right? You, you want to start on if, you know, if I come up with an idea and says, listen, I just want to take stocks that are breaking a 20 day high that are above their uh, 10 period moving average, just something basic like that. Uh, I want that initial idea to return that large quantity of trades and be profitable. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go into the system. And I'm going to say, okay, well, what about, you know, relative volume? How does that affect it? What about the trend on the daily chart? How does that affect it? All these things. But I know my initial idea holds some weight. Right. Right. Now, how, how often are you modifying your, you know, existing scans um, that are profitable and how often are you creating new ones? It, you know, I, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm trying to get a gauge of how like due diligent I should be with this. Cause I, you know, also at the same time, I don't want to overdo it, you know? Yeah. And overdoing it can certainly be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always thinking of new ideas and I'm always out there before it was, you know, traveling around with trade ideas. I think I took 25 flights last year for either trade ideas or, or some crypto f- companies that I own and, and involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. so, so I'm always out there looking to see what's going on. Now, you know, of the 15 people I talk to with trading ideas, maybe there's two or three that aren't, um, aren't crapping me. Uh, so, you know, I'm always out there. There's never a time where I'm not, I don't have my iPad with that little white dinky little pencil with me to write down things if, <laughs> if something occurs, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to actually implementing a new idea, it's got to go through like a whole like series of stages of tests, which we can go over. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to actually modifying them, that's a once a week on the weekend type of thing. I don't do... Uh, you know, again, one of my old trading mentors had a, had a phrase that no one gets smarter uh, when people are shooting at you, basically saying, right. come up, come up with a plan before the battle, <laughs> right? Carry out that plan in the battle and then right. Do like a post postmortem where you sit down and you say, okay, this is what happened this week. And that's done on the weekend uh, over a beer. And, you know, I got Netflix going. It's a very casual type of thing. And I'll say, okay, well, here's the strategies that all triggered. Anything that did great, I just leave alone. Anything that may have, I, I wanted to do a little bit better or when I back test it, you know, that equity curve starting to curl, I'll refine it there on the weekend and then move on to the next week. So, you know, when it comes to refining, it's again, it's like a Saturday, Sunday, you know, with a beer on the hammock type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I don't touch anything when the lights are on and the, and the markets are open. And then I don't do much after hours except scan for stocks that I'm I'm going to be interested in the next day. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Now you mentioned you mentioned the stages. I'm um that that they have you have to go through. I'm curious to hear. It. Sure. Yeah. So first is the the base idea, and mm-hmm. that's you know again the 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 break of the twenty day high above this moving average or or you know whatever it is. That's that's your basic idea. So that's kind of the first stage. And I back test that and I see, uh, does this make sense? Is it something that's profitable? And then I, I search for it. There's a fair amount of academic studies that you can find out there. And like with anything, you know, uh, you know, we're seeing it a lot with this virus and stuff is bet the data sources, you know, find how they did yeah. uh, the study. Is it, was the statistics, did it make sense? Were they, not, were they good statistics? Was it a good study or was it, you know, tested on 
five people and said, no, this drug sucks or, or whatever. Um, from there, it, it's refining it down and refining it down based off current market principles. Um, all of this is done what I call naked, which is no risk management, no trade plan. It's more of what they call a signal test. So I, I want to know if XYZ stock is higher or lower than the entry price uh, for a day trade by the end of the day, for a swing trade by the end of you know three days out. Um, and that's it. No stop loss, no profit target, no nothing. Just is, is the price higher or lower than my entry at the end of this period of time? And what that does, it just tells me if I'm onto something at all. You know, if it, if it, if it fails there, then it fails and it's a dead mm -hmm. idea. I'll put it on a shelf. Maybe I'll test it again in six months once the market conditions have changed. Um, from there, it's, it's refining it, right? It's refining it down. It's, it's, it's making sure that, you know, you, you figure out under what parameters it works best. And then it's applying your risk management plan to it. So if I get to a point where it's, you know, a 60% win rate uh, for a three-day hold, then I'll say, okay, where is a logical place for a stop on this? Something that I know every stop that I put out is going to reduce the, the win rate, but hopefully in return, crank up the overall profitability. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, it's, when, if it passes that, I can, I can get a risk management plan that works. It's onto the SIM. So Trade Ideas has, you can connect to a live account and a SIM account at the same time, which is great. Mm -hmm. oh, nice. And you know, so I'm trading my own stuff live. And at the same time, I've got another window in the corner where I see a robot just trading its SIM stuff. Um, I say, okay, how does that work? And, you know, if it falls apart there, then I know that it was, you know, is something wrong with the fills like we talked about earlier? Was liquidity make sense? You know, it's spread too wide, things like this. Is it trade too much for commissions? Um, all of this. And then after that, it gets into my live account super small just to make sure that the SIM and the real world kind of line up. Mm. And then from there, it just gets, you know, it gets a, a place with all the other algos. Uh, until it stops working basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what what profit do you, do you have like a, a minimum like target profit factor that you aim for yeah two is kind of the cutoff i okay. don't want anything i don't want anything less than two and again i am because i have you know i've got uh like five different trading styles on the go from from day trading to discretionary swing trading to algorithmic swing trading to this thing that I do every week that I made up because there was an EMT that I was mentoring who wanted to trade but didn't want to quit his job. So I came up with a whole new style for him and then took it because I liked it. Um, but because of all that, I'm completely indifferent to win percentage because I know that I'm doing so much right. you know, of, of different things that I just need one of them to hit. Um, so for me, I purely focus on profit factor. I don't care if it's right 30% yeah. of the time. Well, I mean, that, that's how, that's how it should be, uh, optimally for sure. Absolutely. And I'm striving to get to that point. Um, what's, what's AI's impact in the industry currently and where do you see its impact in the future? Currently, I think there's a couple out there that are actually doing cool stuff with it. You know, uh, my bias aside, I really do think trade ideas is one of them. Mm -hmm. However, as a guy who does travel to these conventions, like right before uh, everything got shut down, me and uh, Chicago Sean went down to Orlando, uh, went to the money show there. 
and every booth i swear to god every booth had ai written on it so really? yeah it was crazy there was all these ones one just had a simple moving cross moving average crossover strat um could be profitable for all i know but really no ai uh involved um you know i i tucked my little badge that said from trade ideas into my <laughs> into my suit and walked up to him and asked a bunch of questions mm-hmm so right now, I think it's a bit of a buzzword. Uh, machine learning, I would say, is a better word for most places. Um, okay. You know, because that is more what it's like. Uh, in the future, I think it's going to take more of an advisory role. I don't foresee it fully replacing humans for a long time because because of the the ebb and flow of the market where if you come up with something that really works and a lot of people hear about it, there'll be enough people fading that strategy that the profits diminish. Um, so the real power of an AI, uh, I think is for the day trader. And I think it's for the short term swing trader because it's adapting way quicker to things like this. Whereas an AI for like a hedge fund or a, a robo advisor, because it's, it's slower to move, it can be preyed on a lot more. Um, but really I think it's like anything, I think it's like, you know, not self-driving cars, but you know, all the steps before a fully self-driving car, right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's kind of in the Google maps phase right now where it will get you there faster. But, you know, we all know that sometimes Google maps gives us a really stupid route and the human beings got to step in and say, no, I know that street and that streets, you know, always filled with, with idiots and drunkards you know, this Saturday night and you think it's clear. Um, so I think that the human, it's a tool right now. And I think it will be kind of for the foreseeable future. I don't know if we'll ever be a point where it completely kills uh, the, the human aspect, but I think it's going to be kind of more and more as time goes on, it will, it will overtake the, the human. Sure. Sure. How um how sophisticated are the uh, the algorithms that the big hedge funds are using? I'm not sure if you're privy to any of that. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of that back in the hedge fund day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, spent about ten years with them. Some of the most profitable ones were pure black box uh, systems. They're they're very prevalent, but they're still using them as as tools right so they're still uh, you know they're still looking at them through a human's eye and making sure it makes sense things like that the the predatory algorithms i know are the ones that are really picking up steam because of their uh, you know very small edge they're scalping you know around order flow and things like this really really quick those are becoming bigger and bigger uh what's happening is so i'm currently uh, going to take my level three of, of the CMT, the chartered market technician. And even in their course now, which is all about technical analysis, there's a huge, huge um, emphasis on statistics and back testing and all of this now, uh, oh, because, because they see that you can't, you can't be one without the other anymore. Right. So I think it's to the point where everybody, if you walk into the door and you say, I want to be a hedge fund trader, they'll ask right away about statistics and coding and backtesting and all that. So it's, it's everywhere now, but it's not replacing anything now. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. Absolutely. Uh, you meant, you mentioned crypto before. What's, uh, what do you got going on there? 
A couple things. Some I can talk about, some I can't. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I worked worked with a company up here in Canada who was a miner uh, and a custodian for crypto. I did a lot of the trading for that. I helped out with some compliance. You know, typical startup stuff. You did a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, with the with the confessions of a market maker, I'm working with a firm now who's actually looking to get. Bitcoin listed on the Jamaican stock exchange, the legitimate <laughs> stock exchange, you know, alongside of all of their publicly traded companies and Bitcoin uh-huh. would be up there as well. And uh, my firm, the firm that I own for that is the market maker, the primary market maker of that. Um, oh, this is a, uh, that, that, that's, I, I'm sorry that Jamaican stock exchange, this is the uh, second time in my history that I've come across this now. It's interesting. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. That. That's cool. I haven't, I haven't heard that in a while because in the in the old days um, we try and list uh, dual list stuff in Europe, and um, you know sometimes you'd have to like list it in Jamaica to get a listing there, and then the Europeans would allow you to list it over there. So yeah, interesting. No, yeah, I, so I didn't know they were still around, so that's good. That's good. Okay, cool. Yeah, still kicking. They're interested in crypto. Um, oh, there, there's. Wonderful. You know, I've been talked with other exchanges that I'm not allowed to talk about. Not, you know, any, yeah. not any of the ones that would get you guys excited. But I know the ones that would get you guys excited are watching what's going on here with Jamaica. Now, of course, like everything, this virus put a big uh, hold on on everything, including this. But I'm doing that as well. And, um, you know, just some general. I got it, it's a super small community fondly enough, the, the crypto community. So mm-hmm. from traveling around, uh, talking to, to people, I've, I've been all over for that too. I was actually in Wuhan this time last year, which is really, yeah. Okay. <laughs> glad, glad it was last year. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are, are interested in it in different ways and are interested in uh, expanding it out to different parts. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of OTC desks and, and things about different algorithms they're running. Uh, the HFT bots are making their way into crypto land and, you know, just doing some general kind of consulting and, and things for, for different people. Cause it is just this big, like incestuous kind of uh, uh, industry where you think, you know, it's supposed to be crypto. It's supposed to be worldwide and anonymous and everything, but it's the smallest industry I've been a part of. So mostly, I guess, long story short, mostly it's just consulting. Mm-hmm. Quickly, let me ask you about crypto. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on custody and settlement? Um, I mean, is that ever going to, do you think that'll ever be centralized? Because, you know, you hear about, you know, uh, a certain cryptocurrency going down and then, of course, people can't enter their orders or you know, people walking away with other people's money, that sort of thing. Uh, you know how they have, you know, the depository trust company and things like that. Yep. What What's your sort of feeling on that? I'm just very curious because, uh, you know, with a new asset, um, I, I like to see, I, I'm a custody and settlement guy. Um, so I did a lot of stuff, uh, you know, with uh, cross-border clearing and stuff like that between the United States and Europe and things mm-hmm. like that. So I'm just, just curious what your what your thoughts are on that. It's interesting because you're right. It's kind of anti-centralizing anything. It's kind of anti the yeah, point, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, and again, as as someone who's I've been in in the world, uh, in the crypto world, after after the whole crazy spike, 
you know, I, I kind of quote unquote made a name for myself with the, the small crypto community I'm a part of by walking into a couple firms that brought me in as, as a trader for a consultant who were long, you know, was Ethereum at, at 10,000 and, and, you know, Bitcoin at 15 and saying, yeah, we, it, so here's where all our cash is. And I was like, you guys are insane <laughs> and, and telling them all to, to get out. Yeah. Um, but by doing that, I ended up meeting with a lot of exchanges. And so I've, I've chatted with the guys at the exchanges who are almost begging for regulation in some way, mm-hmm. shape or form. And same yeah. with, same with us opening our, our custodian account we i i reached out to the canadian regulatory agency say listen oh, we want to be registered and how did you find them they wouldn't do it, it it's still a commodity yeah. up here yeah yeah it's i mean i i dealt with every uh, exchange uh, i mean uh, regulator uh, you know bc securities commission ontario yeah. you know it's it's very very archaic um you know they're uh, not to not to slight anyone but uh so i'm just wondering what kind of reception you got yeah it was, you know, I spoke to IROC and I said, listen, we are going to be trading on behalf of clients because part of what I did there was build uh, automated trading systems that the theory was, you know, if you were going to, we were an insured custodian. So if you wanted to put, you know, 10 million with us, we got insurance for you. Yep. Um, and again, it, the company's still open. So maybe we'll chat offline about connections you have for that. But um, the same thing is, well, like, so let's listen, we'll take 10%. We'll put it in this simple trend following system that we uh, developed and, you know, we'll hedge against some of your holdings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I reached out to IROC, which is our, our regulatory yes. agency for traders. And I said, listen, uh, regulate me, please, you know, yeah. give, give me a test. Let me do something. Because yeah. yeah. I, I just don't want, you know, someone to kick down our doors in six months and say, listen, you don't have all the necessary paperwork yet. Out. Exactly. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't talk to me. He said, no, it's, it's not a security here. You're, you're good. Um, so what we ended up doing is we ended up adopting the hedge fund. Um, Cause I worked with this hedge fund administration company. We, we adopt their, uh, their theories where we said, listen, okay, we're going to treat ourselves as if we're a hedge fund. Okay. Um, and then, and then go from there. And then maybe if we're regulated down the, down the road great but we built our own aml policies and okay you know all of this had to go from the ground up but i guess off topic um to to your uh, centralization thing i think it has to happen so the reason that this whole jamaica thing is getting traction i believe is because it centralizes uh, the whole thing about crypto is it was supposed to remove the lack of trust right Mm -hmm. It didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. No one in the crypto industry trusts anyone at all. Um, so I think I think it has to. I think in some way there has to be a, a NASDAQ or a New York Stock Exchange or an Amex or something that, that centralizes trading, centralizes uh, counterparty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, how do you, um, I, I'm fascinated by this because I'm looking at like on a prime brokerage standpoint, uh, when you look at crypto, how do the funds, like, how do they deal with that? Do their prime brokers clear their crypto trades or how does that work? Is it outside the system or? Generally outside the system, uh, there's a lot of institutional over the counter trading desks right now that will not only do the trading, but do the custody as well with, with oh, okay. insured 
type solutions. Oh, okay. So you, you send your money over to one of these guys and you say, listen, I want you to work me into $10 million worth of Bitcoin or, or out of $10 million worth of Bitcoin over the next month or so. And you guys sign a contract and, and everything away you go. And they will hold the coins for you. Because a lot of these hedge funds, they're not going to have secured custodial solutions, right? That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. So it, yeah. So that, and again, that's what this company that we're, we're building for the, the custodian side, that's, that's essentially the game plan is we went to, uh, I don't think I'm allowed to say, but it is, you would know the name of the insurance company. If I told you they're, they're super big mm-hmm. um, and reputable. And cause it, it's to the point where again, no one trusts each other in crypto because of all these hacks. So we, we built this crazy solution. The guys I work with are super cybersecurity dudes and no one cared. So we had to go to a legacy entity and say, they are going to insure us. And then everyone said, okay, well now I'm interested. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's it's bringing the kind of the old world has to get involved. It's crypto is one of those things, especially Bitcoin. It works if, if the whole system was on Bitcoin, then it works. But if there's any bit that's not, it doesn't work because you have to get money back and forth. And that's really where the problems are right now. Interesting. Fascinating. Good mm-hmm. stuff. So, uh, Michael, any, um, any views um, you have from a macro standpoint with everything going on? Try not to. I try not to. I, uh, I, I avoid, you know, you'll notice I'm probably not one of the most active guys on social media or anything. I try to avoid uh, a lot of that. I try to avoid news. I try to avoid kind of my own macro thoughts, to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I want, I want to stay as unbiased as possible to kind of follow the numbers. For sure. Man. Um, you know, I, I like to speculate like anyone else, but it, it's, I just don't know. If, I don't think there's much value spending a lot of mental capital on that is, you know, figure out what your time frame is and, and stick to it. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if we're just having beers and shooting the shit, then I, this close kind of raised one eyebrow for me because everyone was calling uh, this a dead cap bounce right. for, you know, for what, 20, 30% on the market now. And this is kind of the last that I heard of people. Everyone, I kind of felt a shift, I guess, with the people I was talking to where everyone just threw their hands up and said, Oh, I guess we're going all time highs again. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and then we had this crack today and then I, I, so I don't know if that's going to be kind of the sign of another pullback. I I don't know if we're going down to those lows again, but to be honest, if, if you held a gun to my head and you you had me bet on market direction over the next few months, I would say it's going to be wild chop. I think it's going to be a good time for the short-term swing trader and good time for the day trader and just a really annoying time for the investor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, good news for us. Good news for yeah. us. I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy about that because uh, I, 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 I don't even look at any of that stuff. I just look at where value is and, and get in there and I, I'm pretty simple. I'll just look, Oh, is there supply? Okay. I'm short. If there's no supply, I'm long. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's why, and that's why, you know, Michael, we, we, you know, we have a room, we, we trade alongside other people and it drives, like you can ask Jay, it drives me nuts when people want to give their opinion on the news or stuff. I'm like, yo, you're wasting your mental capital. Like, 
Just by, the time, by the time we've read the headline, the algos have executed 2,000 yeah. times already. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's you know? what uh, I had a guy pitch me an algo back in the day that was fascinating that read the news. It used, he called it NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic oh, Program. Yeah, yeah. It, it read, it, like someone would, would release an article, it would read it, it would get a general understanding of whether or not this guy was bullish or bearish and make a trade in like a quarter of a second it was insane. it's amazing it's amazing i remember a couple of months ago uh, one of the talking heads i don't know if it was a president or something said something and it's like the algo caught the first two words but didn't read the, re the rest of the sentence and it whipped one way and b back the other way before people even knew what was going on you know yeah. no <laughs> i i i Real trading, and, and this is what you were talking about there, JJ, real trading is stupidly boring. <laughs> it, it is, you know, I, I've, I did my scanning before we started the call today. I've got like five or six things that I'm watching for tomorrow. Other than that, I'm going to sit back and let the algos work and monitor them. But I, as soon as I stopped, this is going to sound bad, but as soon as I stopped having a lot of fun trading, like getting super jazzed for the next open and, <laughs> and speculating on what was going to happen and just uh -huh. said, here are the stats. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to see what happens. That's when things really started to turn around for me. Yeah. You know, less yeah. is more kind of thing. Right, 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 right. For sure. For sure. And it, it's a, it, it's, you know, it, it's such a hard, I, I don't know why it's a hard concept for, you know, I even guess for myself, right. Is that like simple, like the, the people who are the most successful, they keep things very simple to refine it. Well, and you want to hear my, my, yeah, theory yeah, 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 go. Yeah, please. Uh, I got all night. I don't, you guys can cut me go, off Michael, please. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I've got beers laid out in front of me, so I'm good. good. <laughs> I'm good all morning. Um, but I, every other aspect of life, everyone is, the more you do, the harder you work, the better you are, right? If, if you're, uh, uh -huh. right? If you're, uh, if you're in the gym, you're lifting weights, right? The harder you're in there, the longer you're in there, the better you are. If you're, you know, I, I played the corporate nine to five thing for a while. I would intentionally show up early, dick around for an hour, <laughs> wait till everyone left, <laughs> you know, while dicking around. Uh -huh. And then, right, because you, you get that there's, you know, everyone's like, oh, shit, Michael, he's in before everyone else. He leaves. Yeah. Yeah. And trading is the complete opposite. You know, I, I, this guy over at Great Stock Picks that I talked about, he, you know, I was having a real hard time with overtrading and FOMO. And he sat me down one day. He said, listen, man, you know you'll make it when you sit there for an entire day watching the screens and you do nothing because there was nothing to do. Mm -hmm. and it took me years to hit to hit me and i was like oh shit he's right it, it really is because the way every other part of life is structured where more effort equals better trading really really screws people up because it, it's almost less effort equals better it's you find something that works and you just keep doing it until it doesn't work and then you find something else that works and you keep doing it until it doesn't work and and the periods of waiting is what kills people where they're like, okay, especially, and I think we've all done this, uh, when you're trading, you're saying, okay, listen, I, I want to make 10 K a month. That means there's 20 trading days in the month. And you start doing like yeah. the math backwards. Yeah. And then you're looking at your, your account. You're saying, shit, I haven't placed a trade today and I got to make 500 bucks today. Cause that's 10 K a month. And then of course, one of the next things that comes through that looks like a good idea you're going to do. 
And, you know, it's not because there was a statistical edge there. It's not because it was a good thing to do is because you, you built all this up in your head. Whereas the pro trader is just saying, you know, I am waiting for this, you know, value area or, or moving average or whatever to, to, to do its thing. And if it doesn't, I'm just not going to do anything. And, and, you know, to be a bit of a shill for trade ideas for a second, that's a huge power that trade ideas has that a lot of people don't use. They download this tool and it's super powerful and there's tons you can do with it. So we get people all the time saying, okay, so I've got 74 windows open. Wow. Uh, all, all, all scanning for different things. What do I really? do? <laughs> and then I, I send them my layout that has uh, two charts, a mm-hmm. daily chart and a 15 minute chart. And one uh, we call multi-strategy window that's got a couple uh, uh, algos kind of built into it. And that's it. And I send them this back and I said, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years and this is what I'm looking at. And they're flabbergasted. It fits on an iPad, my, my layout. Um, now, when I'm on my real computer, I've got a bunch of other charts that I can keep an eye on just to see what's going on in the world. But it is, the, it is that opposite mod- modality of thinking where you're like, okay, how do I, how do, I do less um, because the thing that makes me money is not my effort during the trading day. The thing that makes me money is my effort after the trading day or my effort before the trading day. Mm-hmm. And, and during the action, my job is to sit there and watch that one little box I have with my alerts in it. And when something pops up, click on it and see if it's something I'm interested in. And, and it's, it's this, it's, it's a backwards way of thinking, but I really think that's a sticking point for a whole lot of traders out there. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and that's, that's something I've fought like heavily. I mean, even throughout my poker career is that like, I'd always be like, okay, you know, like I was saying before, it's like, I, I know the more hands I get in Michael, the more, like the more money I'm going to make. Right. Or at least that's how I would equate it. Right. Yep. And not always, I have to ment- I had to monitor my, uh, my mental capital will say, right? Like, am I worn out? Am I playing my best? Am I distracted? Exactly. You know, et cetera. And because we're not, we're not at a nine to five job. We don't get paid hourly. I mean, sure you could break it down hourly, but I, I think looking at things that way hurt me way more than not. Yeah. So I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, you know, the old, the old Warren Buffett saying, if you can, you know, you can stand there with the bat on your shoulders and, and, and wait for the perfect pitch and you won't get struck out, struck out. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's it's another reason why I think that especially if people are new traders, you should look for different sources of income because it's funny, you know, we talked about all the different things I have going on. Um, When I was trading purely just, you know, trying to trade for a living, I was able to do it, but I'm doing better now with less work uh, because you're less worried about it. And this is another thing that I tell traders, if you're worried about rent, you're going to trade shit oh my god yeah you'll lose everything Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know i i did that with you know when trying to do from the deal side when you're putting deals together and if you're worried about money and you're putting a deal together you'll you know you just end up forcing things when you know you're not supposed to force them you know well and and it's funny because um you know i again i i I get the the privilege of talking to some you know really big name traders like you know bumping into ralph alcampora in in um orlando which if you guys don't know that's pretty cool yeah he's the the god it was funny he was 
he was very happy to see me until I told him that I was almost done the CMT and he founded the CMT organization. He mm-hmm. pulls me in for a big hug and shows me 30 pictures of his dog. And he's a great <laughs> oh, guy. Nice. But nice. then you would see the, tr- the trader wannabes walking around the same floor and they've got, you know, the Rolex and the, you know, they're spinning around these, you know, probably rented Lambo keys and stuff. And then you see Ralph Alcampora, who's like the godfather of the whole thing. He's got his jeans on and right. yeah, you know, he's, he's set up in a place where it's, it's not, it's not the money. It's, it's almost the game. Right. Exactly. 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 Yeah. yeah. I think that's huge. I think that's huge for people. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, cause people get like, like you said, Michael, like these other people are getting into it, not for the love of it, but for like the love of like, you know, whatever status or however they want to be perceived. The, the marketing is so predatory oh, in, so in trading, you know, that predatory, you know, this will make your dreams come true. It's just, it, it just preys on people, you know, it's just nasty. You know? it, it It's gross. And it's why I don't, you know, I, I do, it's a, it's a shame because, you know, I've got this little YouTube channel and I'll put out five or six videos that are, are pure educational content and no one watches. And then I put out something like that Beyond Meat video that you were talking about. And I put, yeah. you know, I made $6,000 in the title and it gets like 7,000 views or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even look at the title and I only looked at that afterwards. I was like, okay, well, you know, what's the, cause I, I have no clue. I, I came from you know, taking 200 companies public, uh, making a market so you could dispose of $300 million worth of stock into. So I didn't know how to, I had no discipline, nothing retail trading. What's that? Right. Yeah. So that's why when I, when I see you guys and especially, you know, uh, because we had, um, the gentleman from trade ideas on the podcast and, uh, yeah, you know, Dan. I yeah, and, good, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Steve puts their scans in our room. So what, when he'll put a scan in, I'll pull up a profile chart and go, okay. And then I'll look at who owns it institutionally and go, okay, who's in the zoo and what are they doing? And it, it gives you some beautiful targets like before Christmas, you know, ADAP and TRIL, beautiful trades. Um, so I really like that software and I'm one of these days I'm going to get it, but I, I need to drop 30 pounds first because I know when, if, once I get it, I'm not going to, you know, leave my chair for a while. That's, that's the problem, you know? <laughs> um, but it's, it's, and, and that leads to another point, right? Cause, cause Dan built this because he was a trader. Yeah. He's and, one of the, he's yeah, one of the original so Soul's bandits. Yeah. 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 And then he's like, I need a tool for myself. And he went and talked to a buddy and built it. And then everyone was like, you know, this is great. And it comes back to what we were talking about, that he wasn't like, okay, I need to build something that looks real nice so I can tell people it will make them a trillion dollars tomorrow and they never yeah. have to work again. Yeah. It was, you know, I'm a trader and I want a good tool. So I'm going to yeah, build exactly. this. Yeah. And, and that's what we try to, we try to stick to. And as you know, you have to do some of the, the marketing, but again, if you look at my stuff, it's never, you know, you never see a Lambo and you'll never see a Ferrari and <laughs> give me a hundred million dollars tomorrow and I'll probably get like a nicer Volkswagen because yeah. well, you know, it, it, we're, we're, we're Canadian, man. You know, the yeah. potholes up here, you know, a Lamborghini, those rims are going to last about three weeks if we're lucky. You know, oh, you would lose the thing in my driveway. <laughs> It'd be gone. Maybe it's, you know, yeah, it's abuse. It, it, it's funny because it is, it's a, it's a big line between, a real trader and not, you know, cause a, a real trader has been through good times and bad and they're always worried that their last trade will be their, their mm-hmm. last good trade. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the other guys are, Oh look, you know, I, I, I turned a thousand dollars into 2000. I'm the greatest guy ever. 
Um, and yeah, it, it's a huge, huge distinction. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm great that you, grateful that you guys talk about it because we have to do something. Yeah. It's hurting too many people, the, the predatory marketing and, and all of this. Yeah, I mean, I, and I come from the penny stock world where I'm, you know, you know, retail for me is food. And mm. uh, I look at these guys for marketing and, and wow, these guys are even worse than me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, sure. this is bad, you know. Yeah. And, and to your point, Michael, it's like, I, um, you know, even though I'm like, I'm not, as not nearly experienced as either of you guys trading wise, y- you can tell, you know, I, I risking money. Like when you come from that background and you're someone who's been there, like you said, take the bumps and the bruises, you carry yourself with a humility because you know what this can do to you. Yeah. And, and these people don't have that. And so it's, you know, I, I think it's not just this. I think it's, it's, it's anyone again, back to my fighting examples, right? It's like, if you, if you speak to a, a pure master of just about anything, they, what's it called? Imposter syndrome. They're, they're worried that they're not who they say they're like, you know, I, I go okay. talk to, to mm-hmm. Brian Shannon all the time. Who's, you know, he's a master technician. He's been doing it for 30 years. And, you know, I, I talk to him and he's one of the most humblest guys out there. And it, it's because Again, they all know. They all know that your win rate's going to be fifty-five to sixty percent, and your risk reward is what makes it. And if you end up thinking that you're you're you know king shit and you're tougher than the market, the market's going to beat you, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh yeah, you know it's what it's, it's uh, I forget the name. Yeah, I forget. It could be what you said too. Yeah, it's like it's like one of those those biases, right? It's like the the more it's like someone who's ignorant is more sure of themselves than somebody who actually knows a lot exactly yeah yeah so it's interesting so speaking of biases michael how do you combat them how do you stay as logical scientific method is like possible how do you is there any like any go-through tips or how you check yourself you know i i think it's about finding everyone's you know, your personal demon, right? Because I, again, I mentor traders, uh, not, you know, to, to make a bunch of money in it, but just because I, I, I like teaching and I like helping. And it's funny that they all come to me with a different problem. You know, mm-hmm, right. my problem was over trading and revenge trading. You know, I, I just mm. wanted to get in there. I wanted to go. If something hit me, I wanted to hit it back harder. Uh, some people have the thing where they, they're gun shy and they don't want to pull the trigger and place the trade. Uh, so I think it's finding what your personal demon is, knowing that you have it, using technology to try to figure out a way around it, and and then just constantly reminding yourself that that it can come back. So for me, with the over, you know, I talked about my insanely simplified layout uh, because if I'm the guy out there with seven computer monitors watching fifty different stocks at once, I'm going to trade them, mm-hmm. and I just I know that that's going to happen. There's no, no doubt about it in my mind where, you know, if the other, if I was on the other side, I would want to kind of inundate myself with, with more data. So it's, it's battling like those personal demons where I know my problem will occur after I take a big loss and I start looking for the next trade to make that up. Uh, So again, I, changed my layout entirely so it shows me this one window that shows me you know some things i'm looking for today and some things that i scanned yesterday and that's it so 
and then knowing again, it's going to come back. I know I'm going to take a revenge trade one day. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. uh, alcoholics anonymous or something. I'm probably going to relapse <laughs> at some point. And it's, it's being able to figure out when you do mm-hmm. and then saying, okay, yeah, I've, I've slipped back. Let's, you know, it's better again, if you're doing a diet or something, it's better to say, okay, I ate that pint of ice cream. That sucks. You know, just, put it behind you and, and move on as opposed to the guy who's like, okay, you know, I've blown up. I might as well just go crazy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but technology's key, right? Technology will help figure out what your, once you figure out what your problem is, there's some sort of technological solution that will help you a little bit, but in, in the end of the day, it's you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. So Michael, I um, read in the, uh, the beyond the trades interview that you enjoy long stints in isolation tanks. Oh, I so, love it. yeah. So, so how long is long? And then, yeah, describe <laughs> to us the experience. Uh, they, they told me I can't do any more than like two and a half hours now or, or, or um, you know, I'll start shriveling up or something. But for anyone who doesn't know, a float tank is, they take a giant tank, as <laughs> one, would, <laughs> one would assume, Mm-hmm. Uh, fill it with water, fill that water with salt, and then make it so that the the temperature of the water and the temperature of the air is perfect human body temperature and no sound and no light can get in. So you're weightless because of the salt. Uh, the temperature is the same, so you have no sense of really feeling. You, you After a while, you don't know what part of your body is above water or below, and you can't see and you can't hear anything. Um like at all, like pitch dark and perfect silence. Um, the experience a trippy one for sure, especially the first couple of times it, uh, it's, I, I describe it as, you know, somebody, you know, those old toys that you would wind up until they would absolutely go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first couple minutes in there, your brain does that where it just like unwinds, like super, like I described it as watching a movie of my life overlaid with a movie of my life overlaid with a move like watching these three movies on top of each other um but the main reason i do it is because it's the only place in the world and and you know meditation is close and all this but it's the only place in the world where there's absolutely no distractions i can't listen to the road noise i can't look at a phone i can't even you know stare at a tree in a distance there's nothing for the brain to do and I find it's the best place just to th- think through things, to try to figure out, um, you know, it gives me an hour minimum. I try to go for two and just, okay, I've got a couple problems I want to figure out. Let me sit and go through them. Um, and then I, I try to, f- you know, figure out as much as I can. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm freaking flying through the universe on a, on a spaceship. And I don't know if I'm <laughs> upside down or right side up. So they get, they get out there for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, best place to think on, on yeah. Earth, for sure. Yeah, I had a buddy who swore by those things back in the 90s. He loved that. So I never got a chance to try it. <laughs> I would. Be careful. Be careful, <laughs> but I would. Uh, they they get weird, for sure. Oh, I bet. It made, it, it made me think of this prop bet. Um, this, uh, two poker players made, Michael. And um, a guy, he had to go 30 days um, locked in a bathroom, no lighting, um, and then like, they would, they, they would like bring meals to him, like through like a slot door. And so like, you can have no slot light sunlight for 30 days. 
Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he said he was hallucinating. I, he made it like 22 days. They made some type of like buyout agreement. Um, <laughs> but it just made me think of that. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if that's something you, you could do or something. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that, but it, yeah. it's, it, it's even more extreme because, you know, say, say you're in a perfectly dark environment um, with no sound and you sit down to meditate. Well, you know, your ass is touching the cushion, your brain's processing that. The temperature in the room probably isn't perfect. Your brain's processing that. Mm-hmm. So the whole point of it is that it removes everything that your brain has to do subconsciously and just, again, like shoot you into the center of the universe through a friggin' cannon. Um, you know, there was times that I snapped out of, you know, whatever I was in, wherever I was, where I thought, you know, I was standing up because every, like, I didn't know the, the orientation of being upside down or right side up or, or standing up or lying down doesn't really do anything but yeah. the point of this is that it, it's kind of like you close down a bunch of programs on your computer so your computer runs faster mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing yeah fascinating how, how often do you go is this like a once in a while or i can't go currently but i, I usually try to go at least once a month i've, I've got a daily meditation process nice. um and then once a month, I would try to go to to these. If I've got like a really big problem that I'm thinking about, I'll just book a one off and, and go then. Uh, but yeah, the damn damn virus got me locked in for now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sadly, they don't think it's essential. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like we were saying before, we had uh, we had Dan Merkin uh, mm-hmm. on the podcast, uh, centric character. We uh, loved having him on. It was funny. Well, what's it like um, dealing with? him interacting with him on a, uh, I don't know how frequently you guys interact. Oh, we chat all the time. He's, mm-hmm. you know, so again, I consult with trade ideas. So he, he's, he's the boss man mm-hmm. and he's such a wicked boss, man. My, <laughs> so my, my job interview went like this. He picked, he called me up yeah. out of the blue, Had, hadn't talked to him. I did one presentation in California for them six months ago. Hadn't talked to him since calls me on the phone, say, all right, so uh, you're working for trade ideas now, right? I'm like what? He's like, uh, you know, here's what we start yet. Here's what we want you to do. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll see you in Slack on Monday. I'm like, what? And then he hung up the phone and that was basically the, the job interview. And I, I was good to go. And, and that's kind of how his brain works is he gets something in his head and he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to build an AI. And then he just goes and, and does it. Um, which is, is great. But he, he's super huge on freedom, which I think is, is great for a number of reasons, but, you know, um, I do a lot of work with their AI and building strategies for that and all of that. And he just kind of lets me go. I, I, I start writing him something, say, Hey Dan, I got this crazy idea. I want to try. And his response, just go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll deal with the ride out if it sucks later, but we'll go ahead. Um, and, and yeah, it's a great boss to be around. You know, he, he's super cool to joke with. Um, you know, I told him that, uh, I'm going to start expensing my weed to trade ideas because that's where I come up with my best algo idea. <laughs> and he sent, sent me over a little expense form. <laughs> just, just no questions at all. No, it's, it's a super, everybody there is great. I, I love the concept that they hire traders. You know, they, they don't want to hire quants. They don't want to hire mathematicians. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hire uh, programmers, but you know, we all do all of this a bit like, you know, uh, Dave, who's one of the head programmers is a trader. You know, uh, all the guys you see presenting 
uh, trade their own money. You know, we, we started our own little hedge fund uh, with like 25 K or something in, in trade ideas where, you know, some of the, the, the top biggest names there are all just, you know, uh, shooting the shit with their ideas in it. And that little hedge funds up 60% year to date. It's, mm-hmm. Wow. You know, everybody there trades. No one there is, um, sorry, not everybody, right? We have graphic designers and yeah. accountants and all that. But, you know, the people that you hear from are actual legitimate traders. And of course, as, as I'm sure you can imagine, it's more expensive for a company to get a trader as opposed to some, some math guy right out, of, uh, right out of school. But, you know, he understands that this is a weird industry and you've, you've got to have been in it and you've got to have been kicked by it a couple of times, or you're just going to be, you know, one of those guys hucking Lamborghinis being an idiot mm-hmm. and it's just not, <laughs> not what we want. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, super cool. Uh, you know, it's, it's Dan, you met him. Sometimes you just got to hold on for the ride. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he gets, you know, he, he gets in trouble quite a bit. He, yeah. he loves to troll people. And it's like, if you don't, Oh, oh, genu- he's, a genuinely, troll, huh? oh he's a master troll, a super nice guy. Like, you he know, is. like one of the nicest guys I've ever met, but just loves to get under people's skin. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's fun. It's, it, I, I would rather that than, you know, a, a super, you know, wears a suit every day and, and all oh, of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before. Oh yeah. Now from speaking to him, uh, talking with you, I mean, just, just the way he runs the company, the people inside that company, I mean, it's a, um, it's, it's, it's really good that <clears throat> tools like this, there is a tool like this for a retail trader, you know, so we can compete against, you know, the, the market in general and, and just the way he, you guys run things. It's a, uh, it's refreshing, I guess to say. Well, and that's, that's the motto and that's the goal with him. And he would love nothing better than for us to, you know, build tools that allows the little guys to destroy Goldman Sachs. Hell, I think he would even care about that more than the profitability of the company. He's very <laughs> much, uh, you know, I uh, don't don't want to swear, but very much a screw the system, you know, uh, let's, I want to look right. after the little guys first that, that kind of pirate um, yeah, you know, mentality. mentality and it's, it's fun to be around for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's infectious. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny too. Like people uh, always comment to us when they listen to the podcast. Cause you know, towards, towards the end, we, you know, we just talk like random stuff, kind of like how we're doing now. And uh, he, you know, he, he went on some of his theories and stuff like that. Oh, and people Jesus. were just how? like, people were like, Oh my God, what? Like, what is this guy thinking? Like he came off so smart at first. I'm like, he is a smart guy, man. You know, like, uh, I I didn't listen to that part, but I I can only, I I think I know probably probably a lot of what came out there, but (laughs) I I can't. And it's, you know, as much as I talk to him, as much as I tell, I, I, I shoot the shit with him stuff. I don't know what if it's a belief and what if it's just trying to, to get aroused out of people, (laughs) Um, which he does a great job of, obviously. It's Uh, always fun. It is right. And, and when you're, you know, you got a successful company, everything's going well. We just had our best month ever. Um, you know, we, we've got this test drive going on where, where people can come give it a shot. Uh, uh, we nearly doubled our subscriber base by just opening up the doors and saying, you know, wow. come on in for two weeks. Is it, you know, whatever he's doing, it's working. And then I think what, what happens is he's like, okay, business is good now. I can kind of, I can poke people. And, and that's what he really kind of, kind of enjoys um but yeah so you know to your listeners again it's 
I don't even know what uh, what's a troll and what's not at some point, which is the fun part, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, man. How how um and I think I'm yeah I'm almost positive I asked him this. How I don't know if it's a if it's frustrating, or I, I imagine you guys run into this a lot with people just not knowing how to use the software correctly, right? Like like going back to the point of being overwhelming. How how much of an issue is that for you guys, like retaining the customer? I guess. It's big. It's, you know, it's a high turnover industry anyway, trading, you know, it always will be right. You know, we had a a guy who was another ex market maker who sat next to me during the prop firm. And he always said, I could give, uh, I could give these new traders tomorrow's paper and they'd still blow up their account. Right. It it, it doesn't matter (laughs) what you give to people. Some people are just going to run into the ground with it. Um, So even that being said, the, to build a powerful tool, you also have to build a complicated tool. And you know, we offer crap tons of, of education right off the jump. You're sent four hours of lessons where a live trader is showing you how he uses the system from, from setup to jump. And then we've got, you know, live trading rooms. I, we have got an hour of Q and a every day where you can just come and ask questions. We, we offer absolutely everything to get someone started, but they have to want to do that. And, you know, we've talked about this topic a few times now where it's like the sexy part of trading is hitting the button and no one wants to do, not no one, and many people don't want to do the work outside of hitting the button. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a lot you can do about it other than say, here's the tool. We know it's complicated, but we will help you get through it. And here's, you know, courses and lessons and, and whatever. And the, the turnover is still going to be high because again, people, we always, you know, the guy, the guy who comes in because he saw the video of the dude with the Lamborghini and he, he's like, okay, so I just buy this software and I connect this to this and then I have a Lamborghini. Right. And you got to <laughs> go no. And then, you know, the people, the people who've never traded before so that, you know, they're, they're seeing, Hey, you know, this simulated, account I made a hundred thousand and in the real world I lost five grand. You say, well yeah, that's slippage, that's uh, market moving quickly. It's these kind of concepts you got to get them over outside the technology. Uh, but you know, inside the technology, it's complicated. We know that, but you can definitely learn it. And 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 we definitely give you the tools to do it. It's just whether or not people, you know, it's it's whether or not they care that much exactly. to, to study that stuff or whether they just want to get a pick and and get rich from it which we all know in the long run won't won't serve you right right so i i know we we've talked about or we mentioned the youtube channel um why don't you tell the listeners what you got going over there because obviously it could bring a lot of value to people hey michael yeah so it's uh still yeah is it good now yeah yeah i hear you yep Hello, you guys hear me? I, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's good. So uh, so it's youtube.com slash bonpara. I gotta get the name going. Uh, something different soon. Um, but yeah. So handful of of videos. I do you know market wrap ups. What I'm thinking about the market. I do uh, live trading where I'll you know uh, show myself trading live. 
um, you know, basic kind of random thoughts I have about building algorithms and things like this. Uh, the coolest thing we got on the go now again is we're on like episode 16 of me taking my fiance, who's a dental hygienist, never traded, never touched the market before. And, and uh, going from there to, again, I, I want her kind of trading by the time quarantine's over. Um, so just a lot of educational, again, I don't, I don't want to be the guy to sell people a lot of things. You know, I don't want to be the guy to promise people riches. Again, I got a lot of my own kind of things going on. I just like, I like the education part. I like when I go to a conference in Orlando and a guy shakes my hand, says, Hey man, I learned a lot from your channel. Great. Uh, things like this. So it's not, it's not super pushy. Um, you know, like, like a lot of people. And I think you guys, well, I am affiliated with trade ideas. I got links in there. I try to sell you, sell you different things and, and that helps out. But, um, I just, it's, it's, I just want it to be kind of education. Um, and you know, and then I'm, I'm going to keep playing with it. I'm going to keep growing. It, it started just as me doing a video to try to explain VWAP to someone who didn't, I couldn't type it out. So I just made a video, uh, that ended up getting like 10,000 views. And I'm like, shit, maybe there's something here. So I just kept going from there. So it, I never really thought I would be into doing this kind of stuff and just kind of kind of rolled out from there. Mm-hmm. Great, great. So yeah, guys, definitely go check that out. Cause you know, like we've been talking about, there's a lot of people out here that are full of it. This man has good stuff full of, you know, real substance. Go check that out. And uh, yeah, with that, Jay, um, anything else for our, for our guy here? No, it was very informative. Very, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Like, you know, it's nice to uh, learn the new frontier and and see where we can fit in. I'm looking forward to uh, playing around with trade ideas now too. <laughs> Absolutely, uh-huh, no problem, man. It's super. I, it's fun any time. I had a blast. I had a couple beers. Everything was good. Awesome, awesome. So, <laughs> Sounds good. Gonna, gonna conclude today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review it for us. If you guys are interested in learning market profile or you're just interested in joining a degenerate group of traders, and I say that as a term of endearment, join JJ and I at microefutures.com. Michael, uh, let the listeners know where they can find you and uh, anything else you'd like them to know. That's uh, just Bonpara, B-O-N-P-A-R-A on Twitter and YouTube. That's about, that's where I'm at. All right. Awesome. Michael, I appreciate your time, Sounds man. Good. I learned a lot. I appreciate talking to somebody who's on the, you know, on the forefront, on the cutting edge of things, because I think it's real important in any industry, stay on top of where, where things are going to go um, to find our edge. So I really appreciate talking to you, man, and answering the questions. Anytime. Anytime. It's a lot of fun. All right. All right. So for Bompara, he's the Brown George Clooney. I'm Errol Flynn. You stop, though. Have a good night, folks. (laughs) Night.